Welcome to Who's Paying Attention, episode 38. I am your host, Alonzo Bowden, and I'm back. I have just finished uh, a really fun gig. It was a Soul Train cruise, beautiful ports. We went to Grand Turks, San Juan, one of my favorite places on earth, and St. Thomas. The music was unbelievable, headlined by Patti LaBelle, who I got to meet, which was a uh, an honor and a privilege. She is fantastic and George Duke was great and um, War was there and the Spinners the OJs a lot of great old school music fantastic time and one of those times where you know I'm lucky to call this my job and I didn't want to come back but I did come back and once again people the world's coming to an end that's right the world as we know it 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 all ends March 1st because of drumroll the sequester Yes. Yes. Here we go again. This time it's a sequester. You remember around Christmas, we had a fiscal cliff. Um, There was a debt ceiling, which led to the sequester and, and on and on. Now, I am so tired of these end of the world, hold the government hostage politics. I'm tired of I'm so tired of Republicans threatening to shut down government every six weeks. And yeah, it, it is the Republicans. I'm sorry, the Republican Party has gone nuts. It, there's, the, the grown-ups have left the building. Now, the Democrats on this one, Barack Obama, yeah, there's been some doomsday pitching from Obama. And, and I want to talk about that because, but, but it's just, stop it. I mean, there was an, art, an argument between Sean Hannity and a congressman that on Fox News, it sounded like two two-year-olds trying to talk over each other and call each other names. This, this is why nothing gets done. This is we have no government anymore. We have two parties competing. I, I can't I can't even say it's that. It, OK, let's let's get into this. First of all, let's start with the name calling. Right. Because because Boehner's latest thing on the Sunday morning rounds last week. Obama's sequester. Yeah, it's Obama's sequester. Uh, it, no, it's not. I mean, that is so ridiculous. What they're saying is this, oh, this is Obama's sequester. So about a year and a half ago, when the Republican Congress threatened to shut the government down with the debt ceiling, Barack Obama sat back and said, you know what? I'm going to create this sequester. I'm going to create this massive government cut bill that'll just mess up the military and airport security and border security and the FBI and everything else. I'm going to mess that up. And then I'm going to threaten myself with it by refusing to budge on tax hikes. Yeah, right. He He created the sequester and forced Congress to sign it so he could threaten himself a year and a half later. I just... Don't think so. I, I, the man graduated from Harvard. I don't think he's that dumb. Now, here's, here's the thing. The truth is, and, and again, even the truth, ah, even the truth is adjustable. Uh, I, for lack, I don't even know what the truth is anymore. But anyway, here's what happened. And this is why they're calling it the Obama sequester. Bob Woodward, who again, 
reasonable. A, a true reporter, a true journalist, okay, starts out saying that the sequester was uh, the Obama Obama's idea, Obama administration's idea, and it was, and it was their idea during the debt ceiling. But here is here is the difference. They said that the legislation, the sequester legislation, had to be tied to deficit reduction. Deficit reduction, not spending cuts. You see the difference? Because deficit reduction means some spending cuts and some revenue increases. In other words, people, we're going to have to raise some taxes, okay? You're going to have to raise some taxes on rich people. You're going to have to reduce some loopholes so that, you know, luxury cars, yachts, jets, and so forth are no longer tax deductible and you know, Exxon and we'll, we'll have to pay taxes. We're sorry to insult you. And, and these giant agricultural companies will have to lose some of their farm subsidies that were meant for mom and pop farmers and so on. Yeah, that, that's going to have to happen. You know why? Because it costs money to run a government. Understand the government is not a business. OK, whenever people talk about, oh, the government should be run by a businessman. The government is not a business. The government provides services, but it's not in business to make a profit like a 7-Eleven or, or a bowling alley or any other business. OK, the government has to spend money to do certain things that are not profitable, like run a military or build an infrastructure. There's no there's no profit in building roads, just letting people drive on them, you know. No money in it. But that's what the government has to do. And the government has to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. And that's how it works. Okay, so it costs money. And you know what really costs money? Wars. War. Ten years fighting two wars is really expensive. And you know how you pay for that? You pay for it with taxes. So deficit reduction and spending cuts are two different things. But according to the Republicans, it's the same thing. But he... he they refuse to touch taxes. And this is why the Republican Party is completely unreasonable. And they're, the, the Republican Party, any reasonable person in the Republican Party, is actually hostage to, to the unreasonable, to borderline crazy, to Tea Party. OK, and don't just take my word for it. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how bad it is now. OK, um, Carl Rove. We all remember Karl Rove. He handled the George Bush administration. I would say he ran the George Bush administration, but maybe I'm a little off, a little biased. But anyway, George Rove has started the Victory Project, a, a PAC, a politi political action committee to raise money to fight the Tea Party. <laughs> Karl Rove is fighting against the Tea Party. That's right. He has a new pack called the Victory Project, and their idea is to raise money to fight against extremists who win primaries. OK, guys like Todd Akin. You remember Todd Akin, who would, would you know, his whole rape thing that, that God would destroy the baby if it was legitimate rape and um, other crazy. See, here's what happens in the Republican Party, the extreme right wing, the Tea Party, the Tea Baggers, whatever you want to call them, they go out in the primary and they beat the reasonable Republican candidate. Then the crazy Tea Party candidate goes to the general election and loses to people who can read because they're fucking nuts. OK, sorry for cussing in the podcast, but they're, they're fucking nuts. 
So Carl Rove is like, we got to win some elections. We need to get through the primaries with some electable candidates. So he is forming a pack to put the reasonable Republicans, if there is such a thing, to get them to beat the unreasonable Tea Party Republicans. That's how crazy the Republican Party has become. The Republican Party is now fighting against the Republican Party. Okay, when you, when you're too crazy for Karl Rove, who starts wars for fun and profit, you have gone over the line. The Republican Party, it, it's it's they've lost it. They've lost it. it it's not even. There's another one, another group, the Conservative Defeat Project. Okay, that's another another pack that's forming, raising money to fight against Tea Party. This isn't Democrats fighting against Tea Party. This is Republicans fighting against Tea Party. Do you know why they have to fight against them? Because they're nuts. You want an example? Frank Nicely, senator from Tennessee, Tennessee state senator, says we need to end direct election of U.S. senators. That's right. Do away with all this voting crap, and then we can get into people we want. What he wants to do is he wants to start legislation to eliminate the primary system. So there are no primaries for senators, just the state legislature picks two candidates and those two candidates fight it out. That's his idea. Now, here's why it's really hilarious. He doesn't want it to kick in until after 2014 because <laughs> I love this. I love this because that's when Lamar Alexander, the Republican senator from Tennessee is expected to seek a third term. So he's like, you know, after we reelect the Republican, we should do away with elections. This is why Karl Rove knows the Tea Party is crazy and mu they must be stopped, but they won't be stopped. Republicans are hostage to it. They've all signed that stupid Norquist pledge. They will not raise taxes no matter what. So instead, they threaten to shut down the government every six weeks. Um, now, again, the, the other side of it, and 75% and of the people support Barack Obama and the Democrats on this sequester thing, which is a comp the solution is a combination, a compromise, which is a dirty word, a combination of tax cuts. I mean, sorry, even I'm screwed up now. A combination of spending cuts and tax increases to reduce the deficit. That That's the reasonable approach. The Republicans all signed this pledge to Norquist, so they refuse to raise any taxes and only want spending cuts. You know, unnecessary things like Social Security, Medicare, and uh, children's Head Start programs and, you know, education. It's the stuff we don't really need. Um, maybe even a little defense. Now, on the other side of it, 19% support the Republicans on that. The only mistake I think Barack Obama's making is you can't keep yelling the sky is falling. In other words, if this thing kicks in on Friday, you know, it's not like Saturday, nobody's gonna be able to fly. But we are gonna notice cuts in, in the FAA because if there's gonna be fewer air traffic controllers, there's gonna be fewer security people, the lines are gonna get longer, flights are gonna be delayed. Eventually, not the day after, but within a month, teachers are gonna get laid off because departments of education throughout the country won't have the money they need to pay for teachers. When teachers get laid off, classes get larger. So make no mistake, there'll be noticeable changes if this sequester thing jumps off. 
but it won't be the end of the world the day after the sequester. So, I, look, I don't even know. You know, the reasonable, what's considered a reasonable solution to a reasonable person has to be taken off the table because the two-year-olds are fighting and mainly the two-year-olds on the right are angry. Speaking of airlines, how, how about this paying more for less? And I'm not done with this sequester thing. I've got a bomb to drop. It's not really a bomb, but you would think it is because no one's talking about it. But anyway, um, they're raising fares. Um, Delta. I, and, you know, it's funny how airlines always talk about what well, we merge to increase competition and to lower fares. And this one hits home with me because I fly every week. And let me tell you. They may try to fight on fares. They ain't trying to fight over service because it just gets worse. Don't even ask me about my Delta flight from Fort Lauderdale that was supposed to go through Atlanta that got canceled because the, the plane didn't work. The, the radio had a problem. So then I had to be transferred on a flight which went through Minneapolis. But the person on the phone said it was OK to get on the flight. The person at the counter said no. And I literally got in the middle of a fight between Delta customer service on the phone and a Delta representative at the gate. Yeah, that was hilarious. You should have seen that. That's a hell of a way to run a business, right? But anyway, they're raising fares $4 to $10 on all flights booked within seven days of travel. They expect to raise fares 4.5% this year. It'll probably go up even more. Fuel went up a little, this, that, the other. They're going to charge us more for less. And now that American and U.S. Air have merged, there's fewer fewer airlines in the sky, less competition. It's going to cost more, but that's just the way it is. But here's the other thing about the sequester and the end of the world, because I wasn't done with that topic. The sequester is supposed to save us $86 billion. Well, guess what? We've already saved $84 billion. That's right. The, the point of the sequester, the whole thing is cut the deficit, 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 deficit. Say it yourself. Deficit, 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 because that's the big axe they hold over the head of America. We're going to shut down the government unless you shrink the deficit and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? The economy's been improving. Do you know what that means? That means more people are working. Do you know what that means? More people are buying stuff. Do you know what all of that adds up to? More revenue. That's right. More tax revenue. Because people are working, so they pay more in payroll tax and they pay more in social security taxes and they're buying stuff. So they pay more in sales tax. And what has happened since the sequester has gone into motion back in 2011, there's been $86 billion of deficit reduction in the first four months of fiscal 2013. Okay, again, more people are working. Everything's gone up. Social security. It's gone up the, the income as revenue, whatever, has gone to 254 billion from 241 billion. It, that's up 13 billion, okay? Um, taxes tied to jobs, which means income and payroll taxes, up to 723 billion from 645 billion. That's 77 billion dollars increased since the first four months of fiscal 2012. So just the fact the economy is getting better is covering the amount that's supposed to be covered on the sequester. So the best thing Congress and the president could do is leave shit alone. Just leave it alone. Stop it. You can repeal the sequester, whether you call it the Obama sequester or whatever you want to call it. Just just don't do it. 
There's an idea, just don't do it. There's an idea that will be ignored, promise you. Um, Post-truth journalism. That, that, <laughs> there, there's a new one for you. There's a new one for you. Post-truth journalism. You know what that is? That's when you, you don't do any reporting. You just hear half of a story and you fill in the blanks and make it up. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's like being at the office, as if I know what it's like to be at the office. It's been 20 years, but you know, you hear half a story, you know, you're walking by the cubicle and you hear Frank left his wife and they, oh my God, did you hear about Frank messing around with his secretary? He left his wife. Mm -hmm. When the actual sentence was, Frank left his wife at the train station so she could catch a train to see her mom. But no, you didn't hear all of that. That's post-truth journalism. So here, here it is. Chuck Hagel, for those who don't know, Chuck Hagel is the new Secretary of Defense. The Senate finally got that straightened out. But he's a Repu he was a Republican senator. But the Republicans didn't like him because, you know, he said negative things about Israel. And, and they were worried about that. And... He was against military action in Iran because he's a war veteran and he said war is a terrible thing and we shouldn't just lightly go in. And, you know, in other words, he spoke with common sense. So um, Breitbart News and, and I don't know if you've heard of Breitbart. It's this extreme right wing website. They're, they're always it, uh, take Fox News a little farther right and you're at Breitbart. Well, one of the things they had about Chuck Hagel is Chuck Hagel did not turn over requested documents on his sources of foreign funding. And that one of the names listed is a group called Friends of Hamas. You know, Hamas, the terrorist organization. Well, uh, the, it's just not true. What happened was <laughs> a reporter from the Daily News was talking to Dan Friedman. He's a reporter for the Daily News. And he called um, a Republican on Capitol Hill and they were talking about Hegel. And, he, you know, of course, there's no comment, no comment. So he started making up ridiculous groups, you know, uh, about Hegel's hostility to Israel. Like, did he talk to the Junior League of Hezbollah? Did he talk to friends of Hamas? Did he talk to, you know, it was a joke. There is no friends of Hamas. There's a friends of Hamas, a terrorist organization, but it had nothing to do. It never sent money to Hegel. But Breitbart heard that little bit of a story and spread it like wildfire. And then, of course, it was discredited and the Republicans were once again made to look like idiots. Where are the grown-ups in the Republican Party? That's my question. Where are the grown-ups? When will they step up and put an end to this? This is, this has just gotten ridiculous. I'm not a Republican in any stretch of the word. And I feel sorry for them. They're crazy. Okay. What else was going on this past week? We got we got to talk about it. Um, I talked about airfares going up. You thinking about driving? Not if you live in L.A. Once again, Los Angeles voted the worst traffic in the United States. I could have told you that. I drive in it. Quite often I ride in it because a motorcycle is a great way to get around. And they, they tried to ban us splitting lanes, but they couldn't. Thank God. That's still legal. But when you're on a motorcycle, you get a weird perspective because you can actually look into the cars at times. And I think so far, the craziest thing I've seen is the iPad on the steering wheel. Yeah, the iPad. They just picture someone holding an iPad up on the center of their steering wheel 
and doing their email or whatever else they're doing on their iPad while they're driving. That could be why LA traffic is the worst in America. Or it could be the 101. Or maybe it's the 405. I don't know. Pick three numbers, put them together, and LA will create traffic on it. So forget about driving. Um, Got to talk about Oscar. Uh, don't want to. Have to. By law, it's, it's the only thing more important in the sequester is the Oscars were this week. I didn't watch them. I never watch award shows. Just one of those things. Uh, I'm a straight male who's single, so I don't watch award shows. But um, Argo won Best Picture, and it was an amazing movie, so I'm with that. Best Actor, Daniel Day-Lewis. I like um, Denzel Washington in Flight, but Denzel... Daniel Day-Lewis did an amazing job. He says he's not going to act again for five years because Daniel Day-Lewis can only pull it out when you have a three-hour epic. That's when he's like, all right, I'll step up and handle that. Lincoln was a phenomenal movie. Glad he did it. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence won Best Actress for Silver Linings Playbook. Didn't see the movie. Once again, I'm a straight male, so ain't going to see that movie. But let's hope Jennifer learns to walk and address. You stumble up the stairs at the Oscars. Hasn't been that famous a stumble since Gerald Ford. Look it up, kids. Gerald Ford. He was president for a little while. And best director to Ang Lee for The Life of Pi, which I'm sure is a great movie. I didn't see it because I, I cannot stand watching movies in 3D, but I'll watch it in 2D on my iPad. Maybe I'll watch it on my iPad while I'm driving on the 405. I got to be a good Angelino. And finally, because, you know, we're talking about what's crazy and... and what goes on and what you believe, what you wouldn't believe. Here's one for you. North Korea. We've had our problems with North Korea. It ain't the crazy dictators over there and their, their missiles that fly 10 feet to carry the nuclear weapons, but can't fire a nuclear weapon if your missile only flies 10 feet. But well, I guess we're trying to make the peace. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're doing, but Dennis Rodman, that's right, the worm is headed to North Korea. Dennis Rodman is going to North Korea um, at a time. Here's here's the quote from Vice. Vice is the group he's going over for um, with some of the Harlem Globetrotters. It's kind of a basketball uh, diplomatic mission. We're going to share. Yeah, basketball diplomacy. What the hell? They're going to run a basketball camp for children. They're going to play some pickup games. And, um, and This is from Vice, the group that's sending him. At a time when tensions between the two countries are running high, it's important to keep lines of cultural communications open, no matter how non-traditional these channels may be. Yeah, I would say Dennis Rodman is about as non-traditional as we're going to get. Hey, listen, we want to send an ambassador from the NBA. We'll get Jordan. Eh, Mike ain't going. Get LeBron. Eh, it's midseason. He's playing. Get Charles Barkley. He told you he's not a role model. What the hell? Send him Dennis Rodman. Maybe they could figure it out. You know what I say? Good for Dennis. I just can't imagine the average North Korean's reaction when they see Dennis Rodman. I don't know what's going to get him. Will it be the tattoos, the piercings, or the wedding dress? Hmm, not really sure. Um, good for you, Rodman. Good for you. Uh, I, there, there were people in Newport Beach who couldn't handle Dennis Rodman in the neighborhood. Now he's going to North Korea? Hmm, 
That should be good. Well, people, that, that's my take on the week. By the time you hear this, we'll know if the government has shut down due to sequester or if we've stayed the execution one more time and we'll, um, in May, we'll end it again because what the hell. Um, I'm going to end this on, on a personal note. I have a friend named Chris Jones. He's, Chris has been uh, my motorcycle mechanic. He runs a shop for 15 years. He's a great guy. And he has a beautiful daughter named Courtney. And Courtney was was horribly injured in, a couple of weeks ago in a serious motorcycle crash. Um, she is literally fighting for her life. Please, please, I implore you, uh, go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Alonzo Bowden. Or go to GoFundMe slash Courtney Jones and read the story. And if you can, if you can help, if you can send any money to help the family. Uh, they have insurance, but you know, medical bills and it, it it's a lot. She's a beautiful 22-year-old girl. Uh, she's fighting for her life. Um, so far, I think she's going to be okay as far as living. They're, they're trying to save her leg. It's a possibility of leg amputation. And it, it's just a real sad story. So... If you can help, I would really appreciate it. And and Chris and his wife, Sabina, are hurting beyond words. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a child injured like that. So please, if you can, go to my Facebook page and help out. Send good wishes. Send your prayers. And if you can, send a, a couple of dollars. Listen, if every Facebook friend I had sent a dollar, it'd be $12,000 and it would be greatly appreciated. But I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking to help if you can. I love you guys. This is Alonzo asking who's paying attention. And uh, I'm going to be on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this Saturday. If the world still ends, it might not. We're sequestering it. Love you. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.